Welcome to Seeking Christ in the Scriptures, the teaching and preaching podcast from McConnell Road Baptist Church in Greensboro, North Carolina. My name is Matthew Tilly, and I'm the pastor of McConnell Road Baptist, and we're glad that you've joined us for this podcast. If you'd like to learn more about the church, please visit us online at mcconnellroadbaptist.org. Uh, we're just continuing on with our study of Jesus's theology of forgiveness um, in this entire chapter of chapter 18. And where we are picking up is in verse 27. It's really the tail end of the passage we looked at last time, but we're right in the middle of a story Jesus is telling. And just to remind you of that story, there's a man, rather a king I should say, who's calling all of those people that report into him his accounts. He's calling them to account. He's asking them to take take um, an accounting of everything that's owed to him and see what, what, what he's got on the books. He's trying to make sure he knows what's going on here. And as he goes through that process, there's one guy that sticks out that he has a huge debt, a huge debt that's owed to the king. So huge, and that that debt really should be calculated in the, if we're putting it in today's terms, should be calculated in the billions of dollars. I mean, it's a huge debt, big. But we'll see in verse 27. I want you to find your place there. This is Matthew 18 and verse 27. What happens in verse 27 after he's, this man has begged for his life and for time, it says, then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. We talked about last week that he has loosed him. He has acquitted him. He has let him go. There is no punishment for this debt any longer. Even though this king had every right to kill this man, to put him into prison to sell his family into slavery to do anything he really wanted to not not to recoup the money because that money was long gone at this point but just as punishment for this man that king could have done anything but what he says is he actually says loose him those guards take your hands off of him let him go but he goes further and says not just there's no punishment for that he says there in verse 27 he loosed him and he forgave him He said, there's no debt to repay. I'm just going to wipe it clean off my books. Just wipe it off. It's no more there. But then the story picks up, and where we're going to start looking tonight is in verse 28. I want you to read that with me. So here he is. He's loosed. He's forgiven. He's acquitted. It's it's no longer there. But then the minute he walks out the door, verse 28, but the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. He goes out immediately and finds someone who owes him money. Now, just for comparison's sake, what this man owed was 10,000 talents, which, again, just try to give you something to put your head around. That's billions of dollars. I mean, multiple billions of dollars. These pence, uh, 100 pence that he owes... That would be the equivalent of about 20, day, or excuse me, 20 weeks worth of pay. Think about a half year's salary for a common working man. Uh, one estimate is that's probably somewhere on about a, anywhere about twelve, fifteen thousand dollars, something in that on that ballpark. Not nothing. I mean, I'd take it. <laughs> if you took it from me, I'd feel it. You know, so I mean, you know, it's not nothing, but it's, it's 
small, minuscule in comparison to the billions and billions that this other man had owed and had been forgiven. So anyway, he comes and finds that man in verse 28, but then look in verse 29. His fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, I will pay thee all. Have patience with me, I will pay thee all. If you, if you paid attention to what the man who was just forgiven the billions of dollars had said just a few verses early, in fact, if you just look up in your scripture, he says word for word the exact same thing. Lord, please forgive me. Please help me. Give me a little more time. That's what this man says. Praise the exact same prayer. But look in verse 30. And he would not. What would he not do? He would not forgive him. He wouldn't let him go. But went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. This man, unlike the master, does not acquit his fellow servant. What does he do? He does punish him. He casts him into prison. Unlike the master, he doesn't forgive the servant. Because the servant, he was forgiven. It was wiped clean. He no longer had the debt owed to him. But instead he says, you're going to be punished until you pay. That debt is never wiped off the, off the slate for this man. What I want you to see for just a few minutes tonight, I want to give you, I think there are four principles in this passage I want to give to you. That this man's example, when he confronts Someone, when he has somebody that is right there in front of him that he has to deal with, he confronts them with a debt that they owe them. Four principles that I think we can pull out of this to see how can that apply for me and you as we're going to confront people, aren't we? We run across them, whether we mean to or not, whether we want to or not, we're going to run across people that we need to forgive. And I want to try to draw from this part of the story four principles that we can apply to our forgiveness that help us as we process how we will or will not forgive. I want to give you four principles. Before I go any further, I just want to ask the Lord to help me and help y'all. Would you just pray with me for a moment? Lord, uh, we're going to take this seriously because I believe this is what Jesus said. But Lord, I think in the process of taking it seriously, you're going to have to help us understand it. Help me not to be shallow in my explanation. Help these people not to be uh, lazy in their own interpretation. But Lord, help us to do the hard work of listening to the Lord and obeying his word. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So four principles that we can apply to our forgiveness as we confront those who we need to forgive or that have done wrong against us. The first one I want to just go ahead and tell you out of the gate is don't hold a grudge. Don't hold a grudge. It says there that once he was forgiven in uh, verse uh, 27, so he's been loosed and forgiven, then in verse 28, that same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants. Now, that word find doesn't give me a whole lot of detail about exactly how he found them. He could have just found them like he walked out of the king's, uh, king's chambers and he's standing right there. That could have been the way he found him. It also could have been the way he found him where he went go hunting. Where is that guy? I need some money. Let me go find him. That could have been. That, that word doesn't really tell me exactly how he found him, but the point was he did find him. He came across him. Whether he went looking or he stumbled across him, he went looking for him. But it's amazing to me that verse 28 to, excuse me, verse 27 to verse 28, it goes from pleasant, a weight off of his shoulders. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, 
If somebody called me today and said, you know, Matthew, that, that mortgage that you agreed to pay on your house, it's now gone. Don't have to pay another dime. I can tell you, I'd be, wow, that's pretty cool. I'd be, whoo, ah, that's a weight off my shoulders. I don't have to worry about that no more. And we're not even talking anywhere near the billions this guy owed. I mean, I'm prepared to pay for the rest of my life for my house. That's just the way it's going to work. That's just what we sign up for. But, but here's a man who got something taken off his shoulders. So you can imagine the weight lifted off his shoulders. But he goes from that feeling of relief, that feeling of the pressure going away to, hang on, buddy, you owe me money. Now, how do you flip like that? How do you do that? How do you go from zero to 60 like that? I don't know the answer to that, but I can tell you he goes from pleasant to flat out violent. He's just gotten these soldiers or these guards taking their hands off of him and saying, the king saying, you're forgiven to the point where he's now the minute later, a sentence later, he's got his hands around another fellow's neck. That's what it says there. How does that happen? Well, clearly, <laughs> I don't know the mindset of this man and Jesus doesn't give it to us on purpose, but Clearly, that situation where that guy owed him $12,000, clearly it bugged him a little bit. Now, I don't know how y'all are. I know how I am. <laughs> There's certain things that just bug me. And you know what happens when they bug me? I think about it all the time. I let it go in my mind. I turn that thing over. Every chance I get, if somebody that knows about that situation, I can talk to them, I'm going to talk to them about it. And they're going to be tired of hearing me talk about it. Because it bugs me, so I wanna, I'm just going to turn it over. And you know what happens when, I'm, when something like that bugs me? First chance I get, I'm on it, buddy. I'm on it. I'm on it. I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to do what I can. I'm going to, I don't care, as my daddy says, if it hair lifts every, every cow in Texas, I'm going to do it. That's what he says, and so forgive him if it's... But anyhow, uh, so <laughs> I said it too, didn't I? I can't, can't blame it on my daddy. Anyhow, but... The point is, the point is that we kind of get bugged on this thing. It reminds me, I'm going to ask for forgiveness again, but it reminds me of a Randy Travis song. Yeah, tonight I'm sitting alone digging up bones. <laughs> digging up bones, I'm digging up bones. Exhuming things that are better left alone. Resurrecting memories of a love that's dead and gone. Yeah, tonight I'm sitting alone digging up bones. How many of us sit around doing what Randy Travis was singing about? We just stew on some stuff. And, and whether we go looking for that person, sometimes we actually go out of our way. Let me go find that person that has wronged me so I can give them a piece of my mind. Or it might be you just happen to run into them at the grocery store or at the church house or wherever, at the fish house or wherever else you're going. You just happen to run. Whatever it is, the point is it's not whether you look for them or not. It's the fact that you've been stewing on this thing and you can go from zero to 100 just like that because it's been bugging you. That's why I think this is going on with this fella. What I want to encourage you to do in this as you're thinking about how you forgive people, and I understand some of y'all have had some things happen to you that's been done to you that are dead, flat, wrong. Unequivocal, we can point to verses in the Bible that that's wrong, that kind of wrong. Not just your opinion, it's wrong, it's clearly wrong. But sometimes we got to understand that it's not about what has, damage has been done to us. I understand that that's bad, I'm not trying to discount that. But sometimes we can do our own damage by letting it stew and stew and stew, and stew. So I'm trying to encourage you not to encourage or to nurture that bitterness. Instead, to kill that bitterness at the root. 
nurturing and hurt and pain and hate does nothing but creates more hurt and pain and hate. And, and, and I, I, would, I wish I could prove that to you more, but I think your own experience will prove it out. Some of y'all have dealt with that yourself. Specific situations you're thinking about right now that you say, yeah, that's what I do. And you know that stewing on that doesn't help one bit. All it does is it burns you further. And you can say, well, they owe me an apology. Well, they might do it. They may. You may be right. They haven't fixed the problem yet. You may exactly be right. They haven't changed one bit. But Hebrews tells us to follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, uh, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. As wrong as whatever they did against you might well be, you sitting and stewing over it, all that's going to do is hurt you. I'm not suggesting that there might not need to be something done. If there was criminal activity, take the law, get the law involved. If there's money that's owed, do the right processes to do that. Whatever that, there's right things to do. I'm not trying to suggest you, just like, oh, whatever, no big deal. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying don't sit around stewing on this stuff. That's what I'm saying. Don't let it bother you and burn you because bitterness destroys you. And furthermore, have you ever met bitter, bitter people? You know what they do? They destroy everybody around them. That's what they do. That's what I do when I'm bitter. I'm no, nobody wants to be around me when I'm bitter. Nobody wants to be my friend when I'm bitter. Nobody wants to confide with me when I'm bitter because all I'm doing is I'm going to burn everybody that I talk to. These wrongs that are done against you are not in your control, but one thing that is in your control is are you going to seek out revenge or are you going to do the best you can with the grace that God's given you. I'm going to say forgive it, but one way you might think about it is almost to let it go. And I'm not, again, don't, don't misunderstand my let it go comment. It's not to say it's not a thing and that there shouldn't be something done. It's like, are you going to let it bug you? Do you understand what I mean, the difference there? Are you going to let it bother you? And I think the first principle that we see here is a man who has held a grudge, that even in his happiest moment, he can't stay happy because he's got somebody that owes him a little bit of money out there and it's bothering him. And we need to be careful not to hold a grudge. Second principle I want to give you out of this passage is go ahead and compare your pain. Go ahead and compare your hurt. Go ahead and do that. Please do that. Because the amount of pain, the damage that's done does matter. It matters. And I'm saying that because the damage that's done to you, the, the pain you're feeling, it matters to you, does it not? I mean, if it didn't matter to you, we wouldn't even have this conversation. It matters to you. It hurts you. It does damage to you. So going back to this man, what does he owe? He owes, uh, what was it there, 100 pence in verse 28, 100 pence. He owes $12,000. Let's just call it $12,000. That's not nothing. I mean, even rich man's going to think that's a little something. That's going to show up on somebody's accounts receivable somewhere. That's, going to, that's not going to be disappearing. That's going to show up. That's an issue. That's a problem. It's money that this man may well have needed. You say, well, he just got forgiven. Well, yeah, but he's still got bills to pay. He's still got things he's got to do. It's not that this money is irrelevant. It's important. 
So let's don't be too hard on this man and say, well, you should just write that off. Well, maybe he should and maybe he shouldn't. It's important. It's significant. But perspective helps here. What if the billions that he had just owed the king were demanded of him at this moment? Think about that. I mean, moments before, in this verse 27, moments before 27 happens, this man owed more money than he could ever pay in multiple lifetimes. He could never pay it back in the only possible way that he could even, maybe even make a dent in paying, not paying it back, but paying for the damage. Like just say, saying, yeah, I'm sorry, was for his family to be sold into slavery. That's how much damage he did. And again, I'm not suggesting that the $12,000 is nothing. In fact, let's don't ever think it's nothing. It's something. It's big. But let's go ahead and compare the damage caused. Billions of damage, $12,000 in damage. They're both big. They're both significant. But thank the Lord, this man should be saying, thank the Lord I've been forgiven of that. How much pain, how much damage have you caused in your life? Now if you want to get all smug and high and mighty, so I ain't never done nothing to nobody. Well, you're lying, first of all. That's not true. Now, you might say, well, you, my stuff ain't as bad as your stuff, and you might be right. But we need to understand that whatever, I don't care how little the little sin that you think, you're, how little your little sin you think is, it was your sin, my sin too, but your sin that put Jesus Christ on the cross. Your debt caused him to have to die. Do you know that your sin was so black? This is uh, the, the, the Anglican preacher from a generation, well, actually a hundred years ago now, said, J.C. Ryle, he said that your sin was so black that it took God himself, nothing less than God himself could pay for your sin. Nothing less. I mean, that's, that's how big your damage was. I mean, yeah, I might owe you $12,000 and you might get real mad at me and you might need that money, but your sin could never be paid back in a million lifetimes. So much so that the only possible way to even remotely go ahead and get what you deserve is to send you to a devil's hell. That is the only way. But God, or rather Jesus, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But he made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. That's what Jesus did for yours. So let's go ahead. Let's compare our damage. Let's compare our sin. Yes, go ahead and, and, and evaluate what's been done to you. But don't forget to evaluate it against what, what you did to the Lord Jesus Christ and what he has paid for you. Make sure that comes into the picture. So go ahead and compare your hurt. But also, third, the third principle here is remember what the Master says. Verse 26 and in verse 29, you see the same words repeated. I called that out early, but let's look at it. Both of these men say, Have patience with me, and I will repay thee all. They both said the exact same thing, but what did the master say? Look at verse 27. As soon as he says that, the master says, he was moved with, moved with compassion and he loosed him and forgave him the debt. I'm reading that, there's unequivocal forgiveness. 
I'm not, I'm not suggesting that the debt wasn't huge. I'm not suggesting that the master didn't feel the pain of giving, the, giving this write-off. But I am telling you that when he saw the person request forgiveness, what does the master do? He says, forgiven. That's what he does. That's what he does. But what does that man do when he's asked of it? Verse 30, the first part. He would not. He's hard-headed, hard-hearted. He says, no, I ain't forgiving you. I don't care what you say to me. You need to understand that the Lord responded to your cry. Now, let me pause here. If you didn't cry out to the Lord, you can do that tonight. He will hear your cry. I promise you that. He will cry. You just simply say, Lord, I need, I need to be saved. The debt that I owe you is too big. I need you to forgive me. Now, I promise you, y'all, most of y'all in this room know this, that all you have to do is call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Saved from having to pay that debt. He will save you. He will take that off of your shoulders. You merely request it. That is it. And He will save you from it. And it is only made possible... Do you understand that God, I know he can do anything, but God is also perfect and holy and righteous. And you know the only way he's able to forgive you of your sins? Because he gave his only begotten son on a cross. It says in Romans 3 verse 24 that we are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That Jesus, it says in that passage, was a propitiation. He was that thing that satisfied the debt. That debt that was owed, he satisfied that. And because he did that, because the master, for, because Jesus did that, the master could easily and quickly and promptly, the minute you ask, say, I forgive. That's what he does. So don't ever forget as you're thinking about, do I forgive this person? What do I do about this person? Don't ever forget what the master did for you. Don't ever forget that. Because that is important in this equation. You can say, well, you don't understand what they did to me. I don't. I really don't. And they may have done damage to you that I'll never understand. But please, compare what, you've done, what they've done to you to what the Master did to you when he said, I forgive you. Please do not forget that. It's an important principle in this whole situation. Final, the fourth principle. You need to act on what you know. You need to act on the information that you have. I, you know, one of the things about forgiveness, I'm talking about like in specific situations, you've got somebody that's done you wrong and, you know, somebody, you want to you ask somebody, what, what do I do about this, that, and the other thing? And, and there's lots of factors in it, right? Who, wh what they did to you, what you did to them, what the circumstances were. Were they your boss or were they in your relationship with you? Uh, were they under your care? I mean, there's all kinds of circumstances and it, it all matters about how you treat it and how you deal with it. It all matters, so we want to go through all those circumstances and all those details. But ultimately, we can go through that till we're blue in the face. At the end of the day, at some point, you've got to make a decision based on the information that you have. Am I going to forgive them or am I going to not forgive them? You have to ultimately make that call. And I think the question comes down to whether or not, does it bother you? Is it worth it? Are you forgiving them? Is it worth you forgiving them? Did they convince you? I mean, there's all kinds of questions that we ask ourselves. But look what happens in verse 30. This man does not forgive. He would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. I want to be very clear with you that everything that happens in verse 30 was absolutely, perfectly legitimate to do. 
Now, in our society, if you owe me something, then I, I don't have any option to throw you in jail unless you've done some criminal act against me. That's not how that works. But in that society, this was perfectly legitimate for what they were doing. The amount of money, this was perfectly legitimate. There was a debtor's prison, the concept of a debtor's prison. You owed something, you couldn't pay it, well, you're going to jail till you can. That was kind of the way that worked. So everything he's doing here is perfectly legitimate. But I want to say that what he's doing, I'm not necessarily saying that he's doing wrong, and I don't even think Jesus' point is that he's doing wrong. What it ultimately says, and you'll actually see this, we're going to look at next week, we're going to look at the last part, what the king's response to all this is. But what this really says, the response that you have to wrongs that are done against you says a lot about the forgiveness that you have received. The forgiveness that you give shows the value that you place on the forgiveness that has been given to you. Are y'all you, you understand what I'm saying to you? That if we say that what Jesus did for me is such a payment of my the payment of debt that was so deep and, and so heavy and so big that I could never repay it, and I think that is amazing and wonderful, then forgiving somebody else is going to be that much easier. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm saying much easier. You understand that. That's, there's a distinction. But it's going to be more possible to do. Where on the other hand, if you feel like you're justified, I ain't never done nothing wrong to nobody in my life. I'm good to everybody in my life. I don't understand what, why anybody would ever do anything against me. If you have that kind of justified, righteous attitude, and I'm not going to stand here and debate you that you are or are not, but if that's your attitude, you know what that says? You do not value others' forgiveness of you because you feel like you're pretty good. And the minute that you feel like that, you don't need to forgive anybody. You are God's gift to the world. You don't need to forgive anybody. And that's where we want to get ourselves, is into that position. That's what we want. But Jesus gives us, a, gives us this in, in his model prayer over in Matthew chapter 6. There's another the gospel, other gospels, but in Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, he has this one line in, in the, what we call the Lord's Prayer. He says in verse 12, he says, And forgive us, our debts as we forgive our debtors. That word as is not an unimportant word there. It's not, it's not while we're forgiving them, not necessarily, although that could be part of it, but the emphasis there is in the same way, like we forgive. Can I flip the question around on you a little bit? If you received from the Lord the forgiveness that you give to everybody else, where are you going to go and spend eternity when you die? If you were to actually take from the Lord what you turn around and give to everybody else, would you have the weight of sin on your shoulder? Or would you have that freedom from sin? Which one would it be? Will you be forgiven... Are you willing to be forgiven, rather, as you have, as you forgive? Now, I understand it's going to take divine intervention, especially some of the things, some of the wrongs that have been done to some of you, some of the things that, that nobody in this room probably even knows about, but that you hold the weight and even the scars of those things. It's going to take divine intervention. It's going to take Him to come in and help you remember the right things. Because you know what you're immediately going to remember all the time? 
what they did wrong against you. That's easy to remember. But you're going to have to have God come in and say, hey, let me help you remember what I forgave you. That's what you're going to have to have him do. He's going to have to do that. I understand that. And I'll go one further and say, as I've said from the beginning of this study, that forgiveness is not something you'll ever be able to do to anybody else until and unless you've experienced the forgiveness of God. If you've experienced God's forgiveness, then you have a sense of it. I'm not going to say you got it perfect, but you've got a sense of what it means to actually forgive someone, and he's going to have to ask you, you're going to have to ask him to help you have the power to forgive. It really comes down to the question is, what is your forgiveness worth? That person that you're, you're having some problem with, some person that, that's hurt you in some ways, that person that you're going to have to deal with at some point, some way, that you need to forgive in some way, the question you're going to have to answer is, for me to forgive them, what's it going to cost me to do that? What price do you pay or do you put on the demands? What price do you demand to be paid for your forgiveness? And you say, well, Matthew, I wouldn't think about it that way. But you have to understand, the only way you'll ever forgive them is because Christ forgave you. And if you can't forgive them, then the logic follows that you're not willing to let Christ forgive you. You see what I'm saying? And you're basically saying that person has got to pass some kind of threshold of forgiveness that you're not even willing to pass with God. And if that person has done even a quarter of what you've done against God and you won't lean on him completely for your forgiveness... How in the way? You'll never forgive anybody. You'll walk around a bitter person. You'll walk around the entire rest of your life holding that grudge, thinking about that thing, thinking about that thing that I will say to them the next time I see them. And you'll end up like this guy in verse 28, and you'll have him by the throat <laughs> say, you're going to fix this, buddy, or else. But the price that Jesus paid on the cross for our sins, our debt, that debt that could never be paid was so enormous we can't put it. We can put this man's debt in terms of billions, the fellow servant's debt in terms of thousands of dollars. I can't put your debt or my debt in numbers like that. It is eternal, infinite. And Jesus paid that debt for us. That's a pretty high price. The question is, was that enough? the sin that was done against you or are you going to hold something else against them God didn't hold anything else against you he forgave you and many of you as you're saying now in affirmation that you are grateful for that that gratitude shows up in real life when someone does real damage to you and you have an opportunity not because it's not nothing we're not talking about a little bump, in the, bump, bump as we walk, oh, no big deal, no problem. No, no, we're talking about real damage, real hurts. When that happens, that forgiveness that you say, thank you, Lord, for giving it to me, that's where it shows up in real life. You've got to actually pass that on to the next person. It all starts by letting go of grudges, then remembering how you hurt the Lord, put him on the cross. Remembering God's grace and his mercy to your unworthy soul. And then you're just going to have to ask the Lord to give you the power it takes in the moment to forgive in the same way that he does. May I say it one more time? I'm not saying that what I'm telling you right now is the easiest thing in the world because it's not. And as the damage against you gets bigger, it gets harder. 
But I am telling you, based on the authority of God's Word, that God has forgiven you a debt that is so significant. And if you truly want to forgive as Christ has forgiven you, you are going to have to have God's help, absolutely. You can't do this by yourself. But you call out to Him, and He was merciful to you to save you from your sins. He will be gracious to you to give you His power of His Holy Spirit to forgive that wrong that's been done against you. And we're not done with this study by a long shot. That's not the final word. But if we would just at least try to do that a little bit, I think it would help us in a lot of our circumstances. Thank you for joining us for Seeking Christ in the Scriptures, the teaching and preaching podcast from McConnell Road Baptist Church in Greensboro, North Carolina. I'm Pastor Matthew Tilley, and I'm so glad you joined us here. But if you'd like to learn more about the church, please visit us online at mcconnellroadbaptist.org.